You might not have put two and two together or realize that this podcast, it's actually produced by a nonprofit, listener-supported Wyoming Public Media. We're just a little old station housed in a basement on the beautiful University of Wyoming campus. We aren't getting paid big bucks as a for-profit business. No siree, we're making this podcast not for money, but because everyone on our team believes in what we do, telling the missing stories of the real American West. But that means we rely on people like you. If you make sure to download every episode as soon as it comes out, or have been telling all your friends what a big Modern West fan you are, or would be seriously bummed if we disappeared from your feed, If all that describes you, I wonder if you'd take a quick minute to do something for me. Get into your browser and search for themodernwest.org and find the donate button. It doesn't matter how much you commit to, $5 or $100. It just matters that you show us that you want us to keep telling these stories. My recommendation? Pause this episode and do it real quick before you forget at themodernwest.org. In the old spaghetti westerns, towns just dry up for no good reason. They fill up with ghosts and blow away with the tumbleweeds. Like that old Gene Autry film, Rim of the Canyon, he ends up wandering into a dead town where a young woman is living all alone. Well, Miss Lambert, you shouldn't ride out here. Not alone. Three convicts escaped from prison yesterday. They could be heading this way. But I'm not afraid. The ghosts mourn as flat. Look out for me. A town full of ghosts. Sometimes when I go back to my own hometown, it kind of feels like that. When I was a kid, it was a bustling town of almost a thousand. Now, down to nearly half that. Boarded up storefronts, my old elementary school crumbling in on itself, the population growing older and older. In those old movies, towns croak just like that. But for my town, it's been long and torturous to witness. My mom, though, she says it was a happening place when we moved there in the early 70s. It was entertaining. There were things to do there. There isn't anymore. But it's not just my town. Small towns everywhere are shrinking, turning to dust. I've started thinking of it as the great ghost towning of the American West. But what's causing this decline? I mean, are the same forces that made ghost towns back in the olden days causing it now? Or am I just revealing my provincialism, asking these questions? Maybe America has just outgrown its rural tendencies. Maybe small towns are like bloomers, frumpy, old-fashioned, best left in the attic. Why should anyone care if rural America is taken over by ghosts? Well, I love my hometown, so I decided to find out. From Wyoming Public Media and PRX, this is The Modern West, exploring the evolving identity of the American West. I'm Melody Edwards. This season, Ghost Towns. A history of how they form and whether some of those same olden day forces are still causing small towns to shrivel up. 
We'll also explore some of the brand new problems hurting small towns. But how some towns, against all odds, still muster an incredible rural resilience that's helping them survive. Today, we'll start with the story of my own hometown, Walden, Colorado. Everyone thought my parents would never settle down. Through most of the 1960s, they hitchhiked zigzags across the U.S. and Mexico. Before I was two years old, I think we'd moved a half dozen times easy. The key, my dad said, was not owning much stuff. You know, we moved from Michigan to Lamar with a horse in the back of the pick and U-Haul trailer. And so we had stuff. You know, we would have had all these books on the shelf. Yeah. My, you know, my dad's desk and yeah. all, you know, the my inheritance. (laughs) (laughs) But then, my dad ended up getting a job working for a sawmill in this forgotten backwater of a little town called Walden in one of Colorado's big valleys. There's South Park, you know that one from the cartoon, but there's a middle park and a north park, too. Walden is smack dab in the middle of North Park. But anyway, just my dad moved there at first. Yeah, I had the horse in the back, jumped up in the back of the pickup, you know, no trailer or anything, just, you know, had stock racks for it. When I got here, I had the horse in the back. <laughs> I stayed at the Chedsey Motel, so I probably just pulled right in there. You know, maybe I just went to the restaurant. I, I probably just asked around, and whoever it was that I talked to sent me out to see Gary Watson. Gary was another sawmill worker who let him board the horse on his land. It turned out to be a lifelong friendship. A friendly place, my dad thought. But it wasn't totally love at first sight for either of my parents. My mom says, for one thing, she expected more trees. We drove into Walden, and it's like there's just, it's like a junkyard on the edge of town. And Walden is in North Park, which is just flat. Every direction for 20 miles, any way you'd look, sagebrush, hills, and that was it. But even my mom admits there was just something about the place. It grew on her. Then I did find a house right away on the edge of town, and it had a nice yard, big yard for the horse. I got so I really liked it because it was small, and it, and like you say, it had the view from Walden, any direction. You know, I mean, it's Continental Divide going all the way around from the west to the south to the east. So it's a beautiful place, actually. And I've got to say, my mom knew what was cool back then. She was a hippie, but in sort of a Willie Nelson kind of way, like cowgirl boots and a big belt buckle and tons of turquoise jewelry, straight black hair down to the middle of her back and parted in the middle. And so I trust her that back then, Walden was hip. She'd put me and my brother on a sheepskin in a little red wagon and pull us downtown. When we moved there in 74, there was a lot going on. There was... um an art supply store, there was a health food store, there was a hardware store right on Main Street. I remember the uh, ice cream parlor and toy store. Yeah, yeah, there was a movie theater. You kids would go to the movies on Saturdays. And, And your dad immediately started playing music with the rhythm wrestlers. I would sit on a red bar stool and sip my Roy Rogers through a straw. Sometimes my mom was the bartender. I couldn't tear my eyes off the swing dancers through the haze of smoke. My dad on stage playing lead guitar. I 
every once in a while, he'd step to the mic and sing a Chuck Berry song, and the crowd would just lose it. I'd get one soda pop, and then I had to go home with the babysitter. Because those dances, they weren't for the kiddies. Only a wild western town knows how to throw a dance like that. There were at least dances at least once a month. And so there was a lot of big music scene there with the, everybody loved the rhythm wrestlers because the lead singer was a, uh, from an old um, pioneer family. And so he was friends with everybody. And uh, so people were just packed in. I mean, there'd be fights and, you know, it was like so typical Western scene in there with cowboys coming in from the ranches, you know, to celebrate on Saturday nights. I mean, I heard that at one time, there's some of those guys that ride their horses into the Elk Corner. <laughs> like into the actual... Yeah, 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 yeah. Your teacher, you know, your elementary school teacher, Sarah's yeah. husband. Yeah, he did that. He rode his horse into the Elk Horn. Back then, small-town folks had money to blow on a Saturday night. It was easy to live there. It was just easy. I mean, there was, uh, you know, the resource-based economy. Your dad worked at the sawmill, and then he worked, he also worked out on ranches, and he worked uh, on drilling rigs, you know, so. And he was a logger? Yeah, he was a logger. At the time we moved here, you know, there were like three coal mines going on. The mill was roaring away, so logging was going on, and then the ranching community, and, you know, there was optimism, and, you know, there's money flowing through the, through the town, you know. Enough money that my parents kind of settled down even, at least for a few years. They bought a piano and then a house. A color TV? Oh, no, absolutely not. They were still hippies. But my mom got a job as the editor of the local newspaper. My brother and I sang in the church choir. I circulated a petition to stop the moose hunt. Nobody signed it, but still. I was a big fish in a little pond. I could do stuff like that. It was easy to participate in civic life. I learned early and well the value of democracy on a micro scale. The powers that be were my neighbors, my friends' parents. But then, of course, my parents' urge to wander started to gnaw. That's coming up next on The Modern West. If you are liking what you're hearing, and actually, hey, even if you don't, we would love to hear about it. Take a moment right now to leave a rating or review on your podcast app. It'll help new listeners discover the modern West so that we can keep bringing you stories about the evolving identity of the American West. Hey, thanks, y'all. We ended up moving away to a nearby city for a few years. My dad worked in a factory as a machinist. He wore a bow tie. He hated it. He says it was because, unlike his co-workers, he knew another life. I was fortunate, I guess, in my life to have mostly worked outside. And those guys were unfortunate. They never worked outside. They didn't know what they were missing. They had a, a life, family life. And the weekends they went camping, they went hunting or whatever. And, and, and it was apparently enough for him. And, you know, just the work itself, I don't have 
a uh, what they call a conventional personality, which is what that type of work is. It's a conventional personality work. That's another thing about small towns. They're incubators for unconventional personalities. As society tries to figure out how to cope with globalization, I just wonder if small towns don't work kind of like amber, preserving American ideals like liberty, freedom to work all day in the great outdoors. In my dorm in college one night, my mom called. She said, hey, guess what? We're moving back to Walden. I wasn't surprised. My dad wanted to go back to roughnecking in the oil field. It wasn't long after they moved back. They also opened up a fly fishing store slash bakery slash used bookstore right on Main Street. But this time, things just weren't the same in Walden. This time, when my parents moved back to Walden, the sawmill that lured them there was shuttered. And that meant no logging either. The mines shut down. Barely any energy development was happening. In the West, we expect a certain amount of boom and bust. But this was different because now there was this other strange new economic influence. You know, rich people have been buying up in North Park. A rich guy bought all the buildings on Main Street, and a rich, another rich guy bought all the ranches. So there's no interest in entertainment and, uh, you know, stores and things. Yeah. Nobody cares about that. At first, everybody was excited. This wealthy businessman from Oklahoma had bought the old movie theater, was going to fix it up and host local shows. Then he started buying businesses that were still up and running. The ice cream parlor, the sporting supply store, and even the dance hall. Oh, it, that is a sad story, the Elkhorn. I so love that place. Yeah. You know, and, and people just went under, you know, and he got the Elkhorn for, you know, bargain basement price, you know, and the, because the people just got foreclosed on. Nobody else stepped up and bought it to keep it going, and he's not doing anything with it. But it wasn't just Main Street. We all started hearing about another wealthy businessman buying up the family ranches in the northern half of the valley. It didn't take long before the number of kids in our school started to shrink. They moved the elementary kids into the high school. Then they went to a four-day week. Us locals, we didn't know what hit us. Before we knew it, much of the private land had been consolidated into the hands of a few very wealthy people. By now, I'd graduated from college. I moved back to Walden to write a hiking guide about my home mountains. My hope was to introduce outsiders to the beauty of this place, so maybe they'd move here. Some part of my mind must have seen the writing on the wall already, or in the expressions of the people's faces. Rural despair was settling in. A close family friend started using meth, then went to jail for it. Old people died alone, abandoned by their families. Colorado has one of the top 10 highest rates of suicide in the country, mostly in its rural places, including North Park. Drunk driving killed people we knew, lung cancer, liver failure. People we loved were dying. They called these deaths of despair, and that's what it feels like a cloud of sadness on the community. But this sadness has affected my parents in very different ways. 
Now they're both retired and in their late 70s. A few years back, my kids visited for Christmas. In the middle of the night, my mom got up for a drink of water and felt dizzy, couldn't breathe, felt nauseous. She fainted. It wasn't the first time either. These events of hers look just like a heart attack. Even the EMTs think she's about to die. But the nearest hospital is over an hour away across mountain passes, no matter which way you drive. That night, my kids stood by as they put their grandma on a helicopter and flew her away. Well, I have to be hauled out in an ambulance, and and that is just embarrassing, really, because it's a small community. The people that are doing the ambulance service are people I know really well. You know, and here they come into the house, you know, and start listening to my heart and cutting off my shirt, and <laughs> which I have still never forgiven Jim for doing that. It wasn't my favorite T-shirt. <laughs> Being hauled out in a helicopter, you know, no. And they never did figure out what was wrong with me. I guess it's just anxiety, which you think isn't anything, but apparently it's a major thing. Anxiety. She thinks it might have to do with the fact that ever since they sold their fly fishing store, she's felt no sense of purpose living in Walden. Everything's gone. She just sits in her chair reading mystery novels all day long. That was until recently. Last year, she bought the house next door to me in Laramie, Wyoming, a small college town an hour away. Now she's taking Tai Chi classes. She's in a writing group. And her anxiety has improved. But here's my dad's answer when I ask if he's willing to move away from North Park for my mom's health. Well, I'm not sure. (laughs) You know, neither one of us really want to sell the house. But I'm going to have to move away from here. You know, I don't want to say they're going to take me out feet first. (laughs) You know, I'm going to do whatever needs to be done, right? And if he does move then he's contributing to the ghost towning of Walden. So my dad is having a hard time leaving Walden. He wants my mom to be closer to a hospital. He really does. But he also feels this compulsion to stay. Because, like, who would take care of his old roughnecking buddy, Gabby, whose addictions are worsening with age? What would happen to the rhythm rustlers? Who would clear off the hockey rink after a nice hard freeze? And then there's just this other thing that he can't say goodbye to. I talked to him about it while he was building a fire in his wood stove, piling in logs he cut from the forest with his own chainsaw. When I was talking to my mom today about what what it is that she loves about this house, she's like, it's the view. It's the view. The whole thing about living in the West is, well, you can't live there because you can't eat the view. No, you can't. You can't live without it. So that was kind of hard to hear, but basically what he said was, you can't eat the view, but you can't live without it. That about sums up my dad's reasons for staying. He doesn't like the house next door to mine in Laramie because he thinks the view is terrible. It's actually not. Laramie has some of the most beautiful skies anywhere. But he's like a wine connoisseur, scoffing at everything but the finest. You can walk down to the river, though. And you can go down, and Kai went for a run the other day and saw a beaver climbing out onto the bank and, and sort of Well, that's goody-goody for you. <laughs> that's goody-goody for you, but I can look out here, and I can see the horses out there running when they're out there. 
and I can see the eagles over in their nest when they're, when they're there. And I can look out there and see the moose. We haven't seen very many of them. And I can see the, I can see the eagle fly right by our window. It's a pretty amazing view, I have to say. Yeah. Sunset like this. Yeah. The Zirkles. That's the mountain range that fills the view from his picture window. As we talk, it lights up lavender and gold. I've hiked almost every inch of those mountains. That doesn't happen in Laramie. No. Laramie's not as pretty as it is here. Sorry. Well, I know you live there. I, <laughs> I would be happy to live here, but I can't live here. Yeah, I know. It's tough. Rough sport up here. So for now, my mom spends Monday through Thursday in Laramie while my dad stays back in Walden, and then she goes home to stay with him on the weekends. For now, they're living apart half the time. Small towns are the gatekeepers for America's wildest places, and small-town folks, they take that role seriously. It wasn't the job my dad loved, it was the place. But there's one big problem with that view that he loves so much. There's now an oil and gas field in it. Before the pandemic, before gas prices nosedived, the valley flashed with flaring and floodlights across most of its southern end. That expansion gave locals jobs. But now, that's all dimmed. It's not the first boom or the first bust North Park has ever had. My family stayed in North Park because of an oil boom in the 80s that gave my dad a career in roughnecking. The question is, will this new bust cause Walden to slide deeper into hard times? Next time on The Modern West, we'll take a stroll down memory lane to North Park's oldest ghost town, Teller City that had a silver boom in the late 1800s. Well, they had a lot of silver, a lot of different silver. Just trying to get it out of here was their problem. And you can imagine bringing a stage in here every day from Laramie, Fort Collins. I mean, it's hard to get here with the car. <laughs> <laughs> Even to this day. It's all part of a long history of boom and bust in the American West. We'll also ask whether Walden's energy development will fix what ails it, and how those booms, they just never quite pan out, if you'll pardon the pun. I've been hearing some stories from other people like me, who grew up in a rural place but can't seem to live there anymore. If you have a hometown in the American West that's struggling or that you're feeling homesick for, I'd love to hear your tale. Contact me on social media at Modern West Pod. I'm Melody Edwards. The show's story editor is Aaron Jones. Our digital producer is Anna Rader. And our executive producer is Micah Schweitzer. Our theme song is by Screen Door Porch. The Modern West is a production of PRX and Wyoming Public Media. One of our goals is to get a dialogue flowing about the stories that we're telling. We're hoping that you'll join the conversation. So connect with us on social media and let us know what your thoughts are, whether you agree with what you're hearing or not. We're at Modern West Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That's Modern West Pod. <laughs>